All right, now, <laughs> we're in Genesis still. Um, now, I got a lot of ground to cover today. We're going to be talking about Isaac, the life of Isaac, his whole life. <laughs> the, pro- <laughs> yeah, the prophecy about his life, his birth, and his sacrifice. We got all that to cover. Three chapters I got to cover, okay? So, they ask a black preacher with a Pentecostal background to do this in 45 minutes. Y'all got a lot of faith. Pray for your boy. <laughs> all right? Yeah. So, we're going to be starting in Genesis chapter 17, um, the promise of Isaac's birth, all right? Now, um, progressive revelation in the Bible is God's plan, when God's plan is clarified in successive parts over an extended period of time, it's called progressive revelation. And this this story actually began in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, when God promised Abraham um, that he would bless all nations through his seed. Um, Now, the promise is made clear and more specified in what we're going to read today. But it's called progressive revelation. The renaming of Sarah and Abraham, the giving of the sign of the covenant, the statement that Sarah would birth a son of promise, and the date of Isaac's birth are all represent a further expansion of that revelation. All right, and that's what we're going to look at today. So we're going to start in Genesis chapter 17, Isaac's promised. God said to Abraham, as for your wife, Sarai, do not call her Sarai, for Sarah will be her name. So God changes her name. I will bless her indeed. I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she will produce nations. Kings and peoples will come from her. So God says to Abraham, he's going to change Sarah's name from Sarai, which means uh, uh, the princess to Sarah, which just means princess, princess of all people, not just the princess or my princess, but princess. And he says, uh, I will bless her. And, the, and Sarah, by the way, is the only woman in the Old Testament that God promised to bless. And it's right here. The only woman in the Old Testament that God promised to bless. And he said, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she will produce nations. Nations will come from her. There are four nations in particular that came from, from, from Sarah, Israel, Judah, Edom and the Amalekites. They all came from Sarah. And he says, she will produce nations and kings of peoples will come from her. So 41 kings between Israel and Judah came from, came from Sarah. So God fulfilled this promise. So nations came from her as well as uh, kings, 41 kings in particular. Now this is a promise uh, that God made to Abraham. Abraham fell face down Then he laughed and said to himself, can a child be born to a hundred-year-old man? And who wouldn't ask that question? (laughs) Can a child be born to a hundred-year-old man? Can Sarah, a 90-year-old woman, give birth? And we would answer that question today. Now, now one of the reasons I think he laughed, well, the Bible says he laughed, okay? now, there's a debate about whether this question here he asked, can a child be born to a 100-year-old man, whether it was a rhetorical question or was it doubt on Abraham's part. And, and scholars disagree on that, you know, on whether that was doubt. Or, but anyway, I don't think it was um, doubt, but, um, but it said that he laughed. Um, Sarah was promised a son. Um, and the Bible says, he laughed and said to himself, can a child be born to a 100-year-old man? Can Sarah, a 90-year-old woman, give birth? So Abraham said to God, to God, if only Ishmael were acceptable to you. Now, what does he mean by that? Now, he, has, he already has a son, Ishmael, and we'll talk about him in a minute. 
Um, so it could be Abraham is saying, okay, what about Ishmael? What about my son Ishmael? He's my son also. What about him? And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get into him. Now God uh, says to him, but God said, no, your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will name him Isaac. So he said, yeah, you got Ishmael, but that's not what I'm talking about. He said, your wife Sarah will. Now this is the first time Sarah is mentioned as the mother of the promised son. God never said who, the, who the, he just said, I'm going to give you a son. Now, when Ishmael came, up, came aboard, they probably said, oh, okay, this is the son. That's what Sarah said. Maybe God was talking about Ishmael. I mean, uh, Hagar. Go have, a, go have a son by her. Marry Hagar, our, our, our slave. And that's probably what God was talking about. And God says here, no, that's not what I was talking about. <laughs> okay? All right. Now, um, God named him Isaac. His name means laughter. <laughs> now, I don't think God did that to shame Abraham. You know, are you going to laugh at what I said? Okay, well, no, I don't think that's why God did it. I think God did that to remind Abraham that he was sufficient. Because every time Abraham would call his son, hey, he'd say, hey, hey, laughter, come here. And I think Abraham would have to smile and say, I laughed. You know, it just reminds me that God is enough. God said, did exactly what he said he was going to do. He named him laughter. And every time he called his son, he said, come here, laughter. Let's talk for a minute, laughter. Now, he says, uh, if only Ishmael were acceptable to you, but God said, no, your wife Sarah will bear her son, and came him Isaac. I will confirm my covenant with him as a permanent covenant for his future offspring. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Ishmael named, names mean God, means God hears. He said, I've heard you. I will certainly bless him. I will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He will father 12 tribal leaders, and I will make him into a great nation. So God said, I got Ishmael. That's your son. I know you love him. He said, I got, I'm going to bless him too. He said, but that's not the one I was talking about. Ishmael, in Genesis chapter 25, he says, These are the family records of Abraham's son Ishmael, whom Hagar, the Egyptian, Sarah's slave, bore to Abraham. These are his descendants. These are the names of Ishmael's sons. Their names according to the family records of, and then it goes through all his, his names. Ishmael's firstborn, and it gives the 12 sons. And then he says, verse 16, these are Ishmael's sons, and these are their names by their settlements and encampments. 12 leaders of their clans, just like God said. God said, I'm going to make him 12, a, a leader of 12 nations too, just like Isaac. I'm going to bless him because he's your son, and I know you love him. But that's not the promise I was talking about. Okay, he says, your wife Sarah will bear a son. I will confirm my covenant with him as a permanent cover of his future. And as for Ishmael, I've heard you. I will certainly bless him, and he did. Verse 21, but I will confirm my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you at this time next year. And when he finished talking with him, God will choose from Abraham. He said, but I'm going to confirm my covenant with Isaac. A covenant is a binding legal, legal agreement between two parties. So God said, I'm going to bless Ishmael, but I'm making a covenant with Isaac, the one whom Sarah is going to bear to you. Now, the New Testament, the New Testament talks about this covenant. And uh, before we do that, I'm, I'm let, let me read Romans chapter 4 real quick. For the promise to Abraham or to his descendants that he would inherit the world was not through the law, but through their righteousness that comes by faith. If those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made empty and the promise nullified because the law produces wrath and where there is no law, there is no transgression. This is why the promise is by faith so that it may be according to grace 
to guarantee it to all the descendants, not only to the one who is of the law, but also to the one who is of Abraham's faith. So the law, the promise is not according to the law, it's through faith, Abraham's faith. He is the father of us all, Abraham. He is the father of us all spiritually. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, the one who gives life to the dead and calls things into existence that do not exist. That's who God is. He believed, Abraham did, hoping against hope so that he became the father of many nations according to what he had spoken. So will your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body to be already dead as a hundred-year-old man. And what hundred-year-old man doesn't consider his body dead? (laughs) Since he was about a hundred years old and also the deadness of Sarah's womb and 90-year-old woman's wombs are dead. He did not waver in unbelief at God's promise, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. So that's why some people believe he wasn't doubting there because it says here, he did not waver in unbelief at God's promise, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God because he was fully convinced that what God has promised he was able to do. Therefore, it was credited to him him for righteousness. Now it was credited to him was not written for Abraham alone, but also for us. It was credited to us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. This is all about the faith, Abraham's faith. It wasn't according to the law or circumcision, which we'll look at, but it was the faith of Abraham. And that was credited to him as righteousness, the same as it is to us today. That's why we are called children of Abraham, the promise of Abraham, children of Abraham. All right. Now, the New Testament talks about this covenant between these two sons. The book of Galatians, for it is written that Abraham had two sons. Now, this is Paul talking. One by a slave and the other by a free woman. The slave was Hagar, and the free woman is Sarah, his wife. But the one by the slave was born as a result of the flesh. (laughs) Abraham and Sarah decided to help God out. That child was born according to the flesh. The child according to the flesh needed no divine intervention. They didn't need God's help for that because Hagar wasn't old like Sarah. The one according to the promise needed divine intervention. God chose Isaac to show the necessity of of his intervention. And God is good. God is is gracious. Now, they messed up, Abraham and Sarah, trying to help help God out. God gave Abraham another, another chance to trust the same promise, even though it seemed impossible. Okay, Abe, you messed up the first time, but I'm gonna give you another chance. God is gracious. Listen, grace has a long arc to it, and neither sin nor doubt have a statute of limitations. I'm going to say that again. <laughs> grace has a long arc to it. Where sin abound, grace did much more abound. And neither sin nor doubt have a, have a, have a statute of limitations with God. <laughs> no matter how many times you doubt, God's grace never runs out. I just made a rhyme. No matter how many times you doubt, God's grace never runs out. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) God always has a last word. Don't ever forget that. God always has a last word. Always. Always. All right. So he says, 
The one by the slave woman was born according to the flesh, while the one by the free woman was born through the promise. These things are two, these things are to be taken figuratively, all right? For the women represent two covenants. Hagar and Sarah represent two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai and bears children into slavery. This is Hagar, the slave woman, the flesh. Now, Hagar represents Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present Jerusalem. And it says she is in slavery with her children. See, the children, the Jews who were not saved were still in slavery under the law. They didn't believe in Jesus. But the Jerusalem above is free and she is our mother. All right? The slave, the flesh, they took matters into their own hands. Don't ever take matters into your own, own hands when it comes to God. Don't ever try to help God out. God doesn't need your help. He's sovereign. He created a whole world in six days. So he don't really need you to give him advice or counsel, <laughs> okay? <laughs> when he says, okay, all right, God said that, that's done, all right. Jerusalem above, which represents spiritual children who are free in Christ. It represents Sarah, Isaac, and the covenant of promise. And it's ultimately a Jewish hope realized um, in the new heavens and the new earth. And we see that in the book of Hebrews. For you have not come to what could be touched. Now, to a blazing fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm. Now, in the Old Testament, God came down to the children of Israel to talk to them. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here in the book of Exodus chapter 19. And, and they hear all of this. There was blast of trumpets and the sound of words. And those who heard it begged that not another word be spoken to them. When God started talking, all this stuff started happening, and thunder and lightning, they got scared. They were like, wait a minute. <laughs> we don't want God to talk to us anymore. <laughs> all right? Those who heard it begged that not another word be spoken to them, for they could not bear what was commanded. Even an animal who touches the mountain must be stoned. The appearance was so terrifying that Moses says, I'm trembling with fear. Moses got scared, who, was, who talked to God all the time. Instead, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to myriads of angels, a festive gathering, to the assembly of the firstborn whose names have been written in heaven, to a judge who is God of all to the spirits of a righteous people made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. See, this is a new covenant. The book of Hebrews says it was a better covenant than the old covenant. And to the sprinkled blood, the blood of Jesus, which says better things than the blood of Abel. Now, there's a whole lot in there, a whole lot in there, and I'm not here to teach on that today, <laughs> okay? But anyway, he's, when, he, when, he, when, he, when he says um, the, new, the Jerusalem above, this is what he's talking about, the new heavenly Jerusalem. That's what, that's what we are, okay, all right? Um, now, being a, a, a biological son of Abraham is not enough for salvation. Just because you're Jewish and you descend from Abraham doesn't mean you're automatically saved. That's basically what, God, what Paul talks about in the whole book of Romans, Galatians. Because the Jews thought that that's why they said to Jesus, we got Abraham as our father. Who's your daddy? Me and Abraham. See, they thought just because they were Jewish and descended from Abraham, they're cool. And Jews still believe that today. But that is not true. That is not true. Being a, a, a biological son of Abraham is insufficient for salvation. You need to be a spiritual son of Abraham. All right. Now, uh, wait a minute. Back to Galatians. Okay. All right. Um, verse, what do I want? Okay. All right. Yeah. For it is written, rejoice, childless woman, unable to give birth, burst into song and shout, you who are not in labor, for the children of the desolate woman will be many more numerous than those of the woman who has a husband. Now, in the Old Testament, this is a quote from the book of Isaiah, chapter 54, verse 1. And they were in, in, in bondage, and this is God's promise to them, or prophecy to them, about their future. He says, for it is written, rejoice, childless woman, Israel, unable to give birth, burst into song and shout, you who are not in labor, 
for the children of the desolate woman, the, the, the Israel's in, in bondage, will be many more numerous than those of the woman who has a husband. You're going to be fruitful, Israel, in other words. You're going to be fruitful. I know you're in bondage now, but in the future, you're going to bear children. You're going to be fruitful. Now you too, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. Us, talking to us. But just as then the child born as a result of the flesh persecuted the one born as a result of the spirit, so also it is now. What's he talking about? Um, let's go to, um, yeah, he says, Verse 28, now you two brothers and sisters like Isaac are children of promise, but just as then the child born as a result of the flesh, Ishmael, persecuted the one born as a result of the spirit, Isaac, so also now. Genesis chapter 21, this is what he's talking about right here, Genesis chapter 21. He's talking about Isaac right here, the child grew, Isaac. The child grew, Isaac grew, and was weaned, all right? And Abraham held a great feast on the day Isaac was weaned, all right? But Sarah saw the son mocking, what son? Ishmael. Saw the son mocking the one Hagar, the Egyptian, had born to Abraham, his brother, Ishmael, mocking. So she said to Abraham, drive out this slave with her son, for the son of this slave will not be co-heir with my son Isaac. Ishmael was making fun of Isaac. Whatever, however that was happening, whatever he was doing, he was mocking Isaac. Sarah saw it and said, okay, hold up. <laughs> she said, she told Abraham, listen, drive out the slave with her son. Get rid of Hagar and that boy. <laughs> For the son of this slave will not be co-heir with my son Isaac. She said, he ain't, no, he ain't part of this. He's mocking. He ain't part of this. All right? Persecuted him. And what does she say? Drive out. Throw out that son. This is all symbolic here. All right? Now, the, the law, law and grace cannot coexist. The law, which Ishmael represents, and Isaac represents grace, they can't coexist. She said, drive out this slave with her son, for the son of the slave will not be co-heir with my son Isaac. So that's, that's, and that's what I, Abraham said, all right. She, he, he gave Hagar this, this package deal, whatever, sent her, sent her on the way. But the point is, she had to go because the son Ishmael was mocking Isaac. And it says, so it is even today. And we see even over in the Middle East, Palestinians, the Jews and the Arabs are still fighting. The Arabs are descendants of Ishmael, the Jews are descendants of Isaac, and they're still fighting today. See what happens when you try to help God out? <laughs> Sometimes it has generational <laughs> consequences. As a result of with them, we still see that today. Muslims can't stand Jews today. All right. So there we saw Isaac promised, the promise of Isaac. All right, now let's look at Isaac's birth. All right, so the promise uh, was made. Now let's look at his birth. The Lord came to Sarah as he had said. This is Genesis chapter 21, all right, verses 1 to 7. The Lord came to Sarah as he had said. Some translations say he visited her, just like he said he would. He said a year later, then the Lord came to Sarah as he said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the appointed time God had told him. 
Abraham named his son who was born to him, the son, the one Sarah bore to him. Keep repeating that Sarah was the one. <laughs> the one Sarah bore to him, Isaac. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded him. Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Keep reminding you that he was an old man. Sarah said, God has made me laugh, and everyone who hears will laugh with me. She also said, who would have told Abraham that Sarah would nurse children, yet have born a son for him in his, whole, in his old age? All right. Sarah uh, became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. Um, we see in the book of Hebrews, it says, by faith, even Sarah herself. Now, it's like we know that Abraham had faith, but it says here that Ab Sarah grabbed on to faith herself. It says, even Sarah herself, when she was unable to have children, received power to conceive offspring. She, conce she received power to conceive offspring. The power of God caused her to get pregnant. You, know, you see, when, when the, uh, the Virgin Mary says, the power of the Most High overshadowed her. God's power will cause you to get pregnant. <laughs> God's power caused this barren woman to get pregnant. And we see barrenness in the, in the Old Testament. Hannah, you know, uh, Rebecca, they were all barren. And God. And the interesting thing, interesting thing here, um, in the previous chapter, in Genesis chapter 20, um, with the whole issue with Abimelech, because of what, what Abimelech did, um, well, almost slept with Sarah. And God, the Bible says God shut up the whole womb of every woman in that, in, that, in, that, in that country because of Sarah. But at the same time, Sarah got pregnant. All the women's womb were closed, and the barren woman's womb was opened up. The power of God. At the same time, interesting. When she was unable to have children, receive power to conceive offspring, even though she was past the age, since she considered that the one who had promised was faithful. God says, Sarah said, God's faithful. Verse 12, therefore, from one man, I love this part. In fact, from one as good as dead. <laughs> I keep saying that. <laughs> from one man, from one as good as dead, came offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and as innumerable as the grains of sand along the seashore. Isaac is born because of God's promise. Verse three, Abraham named his son who was born him, the one Sarah born him, Isaac. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded him. Now, God commanded circumcision back in Genesis chapter 17, verse 12. All right, as a part of the covenant and the promise. He told, circumcise all your sons. And, and, and Isaac is the first one in the Bible who we see circumcised on the eighth day, the first one. All right? Um, Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has made me laugh, and everyone who hears with me will laugh. Now, I mean, this like laugh is like, um, I can't believe this just happened. Not laughing, like mocking, but laugh like, Wow, God, you really did this. You know what I'm saying? Just like we would do if, if some 90-year-old woman came to us and told us she was pregnant. And she did have a baby. We, we were like, wow, God is amazing. And she said, and everybody who hears with me will laugh also. I'm like, Sarah, are you serious? All her friends at, at, the, at, the, at the party? They don't need a gender reveal. God told them it was going to be a son, so they didn't need that. <laughs> but at the baby shower. Sarah, you actually had a baby. <laughs> wow, 
how old are you again? She also said, who would have told Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Nobody. And nurse here means not, not only did she have him, she nursed him. She breastfed him at 90. Wow. Who would have told Abraham that Sarah would have nursed children? Abe, your wife Sarah is going to have a baby. <laughs> Yet I have borne a son for him in his old age. Wow. So we see Abraham promised, and here we see Abraham born. Now, let's look at Abraham sacrificed. I'm going to spend the rest of the time here. All right. Um, and circumcision, by the way, you know, the Jews weren't the only ones who, who practiced circumcision in that time. There were other nations that did that too. But the difference was it was unique to Israel because that's spiritual significance. And circumcision is just um, the removal of the foreskin of the penis for ritual or, or hygiene reasons. And they still do that today. Either for ritual reasons or hygiene reasons or spiritual reasons in Israel since it wasn't spiritual for other nations, only Israel. It was only spiritual for them. Other ones, it was just hygienic or, or ritualistic. But with Israel, it was a spiritual thing. All right, now let's look at um, Isaac's uh, sacrifice. This part of the, uh, uh, of the story is called the Akita, which means the binding of Isaac. That's what this book, this part of this story is called. All right. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to, Ab and said to him, Abraham, and Abraham says, here I am, he answered. Take your son, he said, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. All right, now, God tested Abraham. That word test is nasa, it means to prove the quality of. God is proving the quality of Abraham's faith, all right? It's affirming the character of Abraham's faith. God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and Abraham says, here I am. He answers like that all the time. We're going to see that more. Here I am, he answered. And by the way, child sacrifice obviously was not of God. Other nations, pagans nations did that. But it could be here that God is saying, Abraham, are you as committed as the pagans are? They sacrificed their children to their gods. Are you as committed? Hmm. And, and, and God had already told Abraham to give up his past. Leave your father and your kindred and go to a nation. I've, I've already given up my past. And now, you ask me to give up my future? Take your son, he said, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to Moriah. And he says, like I said, here I am. He didn't argue with, with God, didn't, didn't uh, no questioning, total submission, his availability to God. Here I am. And that'll be our answer whenever God calls on it. Here I am, Lord. And see, oh, well, I'll, 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 I'm gonna, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Okay, take your son. He said, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. Your son, he said, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, this word love is Ahab, and it's a strong affection for someone or something. And it means a desire to be in their presence. And it's the first appearance of this word in the Bible. The first appearance of this meaning of love right here 
It's not between a husband and wife. It's between a father and his son. He says, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. And there's no mention of him mentioning this to Sarah. Can you imagine him saying to Isaac, to Isaac's mother, Sarah, the one that was promised to her that she had at 90, honey, Isaac and I are going, I'm going to sacrifice him to God. Whew, what, should, what would she have said? No mention to Sarah. Go to the Lamb and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. So Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac. Early in the morning, immediate obedience. He didn't wait. Now, this is, you think, okay, this is my son. I'm going to wait till later in the day. Early in the morning, first thing, got up to obey God. The questions that must be going through Abraham's mind, too. Who knows what the devil was saying at this time? Got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and set out to go to the place God had told him about. On the third day, the third day, the third day, on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. For three days, he's walking up this mountain. He got this on his mind for three days. I have to sacrifice the promised one. Ishmael's out of the picture now. But the one that you promised God, the conversations that Abraham could have had with God on the way up this mountain, he didn't tell anybody. Just picture this. Three long days. He split wood for a burnt offering and set out to go to the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship. Then we'll come back to you. Listen to the faith. Now God told him to sacrifice. He said, the boy and I are going to go over to worship. We both coming back. How do you know that? God said, sacrifice him. On the third day, okay. The boy and I will go over there to worship, then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. The wood that his son is going to lay on to be sacrificed, the son carries himself. Reminds me of Jesus carrying his own cross. Isaac is a type of Christ. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. In his hand, he took the fire and the knife, and the two of them walked on together. He took the most dangerous parts of the, of the sacrifice, the knife and the fire. And the two of them walked on together. Then Isaac spoke to his father, to his father Abraham, and said, my father. And he replied, here I am, my son. Just like he replied to God, he replied to the son the same way, here I am. Here I am, my son. <sighs> the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Now, Isaac is not a child anymore. He's at least 19, 20 years old now. He's seen burnt offerings. 
He knows what is required. So he said, okay, I see the wood. I see the fire. But Father, where's the sacrifice? The question Abraham probably prayed, I hope he doesn't ask me this question. Please, God, don't let him ask me this question. But he asked the question, where's the, where's the sacrifice, Father? And I think his answer was straight from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Abraham said, God, give me something right now. You ever prayed like, Lord, I need something right now. I ain't got time to pray no long prayer. Lord, right now. Like Peter, Lord, help me. Sinking, Lord, save me right now. I ain't got time for no long prayer. He wants to answer now. Where's the sacrifice, Dad? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. That is the perfect answer. The perfect answer. God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. Then the two of them walked on together. It's like, it keeps saying the two of them walked on together. So when he asked that question, Abraham's like, Abraham, stop. And then he said, God himself will provide the lamb for the sacrifice, my son. Let's continue. And the two of them walked on together. When they arrived at the place that God had told him about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. <sighs> he bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Before I continue, when they arrived at the place that God had told him about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. Now, what's going through Abraham's mind? He's building this altar for his son. The son of promise, the one that God had told him about when he was 100 years. He's building an altar for him, for sacrifice. What's going through his head? Hebrews chapter 11 gives us some insight. The faith chapter. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He received the promises, and yet he was offering his one and only son. His unique son, the same one, one and only when the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, same word, his only begotten son, his unique son. See, Isaac wasn't Abraham's only son, but it was his unique son. He also had Ishmael, but Isaac was his unique son, the son of promise. He received the promises and yet he was offering his one and only son, the one to whom it had been said, your offspring will be traced through Isaac. This is one that I'm binding on the altar. He considered God to be able even to raise someone from the dead. Whew, Jesus. <laughs> Therefore, he received him back, figuratively speaking. That is good. <laughs> ah, okay. Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. Binding him. And imagine what's going through Abraham's head. Listen, he's hurting. Because this is his son. He knows what God said in both instances. In Isaac, will your seed be called? Also, sacrifice them. Contradiction. But his body said, wait a minute, God... 
Listen, I didn't ask for none of this. I was minding my own business in the, in the land of the era of the Chaldeans. You called me. I didn't. But I know you're faithful. I know I've been walking with you long enough to know you're faithful. But I don't get this at all. He's hurting in the will of God. Listen, don't ever think that because it hurts and it doesn't make sense, it is not God. Don't you ever think that. That because it hurts and it doesn't make sense, it is not God. This man is smack dab in the middle of God's will and his heart is ripped out. Take your son, the one you love. Not Ishmael, Isaac, the one I promised you. That son, take him and sacrifice him. Makes no sense at all. So Abraham was like, I don't know what's going on here, but I know you're faithful. I know. I don't understand it, but I do know that you're not a man that you should lie. You're not. I don't get it. You're a faithful God. So the only thing I can imagine is that you're going to raise him from the dead. Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Do not harm the boy. Do not do anything to the man, to him. Why? Because now I know. <laughs> he said, now I know that you reverence me. Now I know you will. Not, it wasn't that God never knew that. See, it wasn't about the sacrifice. God, human sacrifice is evil. God would, never intended it. It was a spiritual sacrifice that God was looking for. The one that you love. What Isaacs are in your life that if God were asked you to sacrifice, you would laugh? We all got Isaacs in our lives. What is the Isaac in your life that if God asked you to sacrifice for him, that you would struggle? He said, here I am. Then he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God. See, God wants to experience our love for him. It wasn't like God never, God never required Isaac's life physically, never. God wanted to experience Abraham's love for him. It's like your wife, she knows she, you love her, but sometimes she wants to experience your love for her. Prove it, show me. You say it all the time, and I believe you, I believe you. But do something sometimes, husbands. <laughs> and all the wives said, God wanted to experience Abraham. See, God, see some things God doesn't experience because he wasn't, you know. But he wanted to experience the love of Abraham. Since you have not withheld your only son from me, Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. 
And Abraham's Isaac's sacrifice was the only sacrifice we've ever seen in the, in the Bible that was a living sacrifice. In the Old Testament, all the animals were killed as a sacrifice. This is the only one that's ever required as a living. Was still alive, rather. Was still alive. All right. And, look, and also, when it says Abraham uh, raised his hand to slaughter his son, you got to consider Isaac's faith, too. Isaac was 19, he could have overpowered his 100-year-old dad and said, wait a minute, what are you doing? He could have stopped, but he, the Bible didn't say he did that. He's laying on the altar voluntarily. He had to trust God and his father. He didn't fight. Say, Father, what are you doing? He never did that. His faith was great, too. Ah, um, he said, uh, do not lay a hand on the boy to do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your only son from me. The book of James, chapter 2. Wasn't Abraham, our father, justified by works in offering Isaac his son on the altar? You see, the faith was active together with his works, and by works, faith was made complete. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Abraham was justified because of what he was getting ready to do. His faith in God is what justified him. Um... And the thing was, see, like I said, it was, a, it was a spiritual sacrifice. On that way up the mountain, like I said, the conversations he could have been having in his own head. Um, the thing was, Abraham had already killed Isaac in his heart. That's what God was looking for. He had already killed him in his heart. On the way up the mountain, even, see, you can, listen, you can believe God and trust God and still have questions. Don't think because you have questions that you don't believe God. You don't believe Abraham asked some questions here? But he still wavered. He still did not waver in unbelief, the Bible says, but he believed God. You can believe God and still have questions. God, I don't get this, what's going on, but I trust you. And we've all been there. We've all been there. I believe God, but I got a lot of questions about this one right here. But God, I still trust you. The spiritual sacrifice is what God is looking for. Human sacrifice is wicked and demonic. All right. Uh, Abraham looked up, verse 13, Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named that place the Lord will provide. So today it is said it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. All right, um, a ram, he was a substitute sacrifice. And the thing was, <laughs> the ram had been there the whole time. He was there the whole time. Abraham didn't see him. Why? Because it took faith. His faith is what he was looking at. God didn't let him see the answer to his prayer. The answer to the prayer was already there. It was there the whole time. 
but God didn't let him see it because God was waiting for his faith to be in action. Sometimes your, your, the answer to your prayer is already there. God's just waiting for you to believe him, waiting for you to believe him. Abraham was walking up one side of the, of the mountain, questioning God, and the ram was on the other side, walking up at the same time. All right, uh, Romans chapter 8. He did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? He didn't spare his own son. Neither did Abraham, but God, the Bible says God didn't spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. Romans chapter 12, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. God wants your sacrifice to be a living sacrifice. He don't want you dead. A living sacrifice, that is your spiritual worship. That's what God is looking for, a living sacrifice, a spiritual sacrifice. That's what he wants from us. He wants you to sacrifice yourself on the altar too, but he wants you alive. You don't want you dead, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. God doesn't want no sacrifice that ain't holy. All the sacrifice in the Old Testament had to be without blemish, without blemish. Ah, okay, all right, uh, John 1, The next day, now, there was a ram caught in the bush who was answered to Abraham's prayer, a substitute sacrifice in the bush. Instead of Isaac, there's a ram for you, Abe. Go get him. John 1.29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the real Lamb right here who takes away the sin of the world. A substitute sacrifice. Jesus is our substitute sacrifice. He died in our place in Calvary. That lamb is a type of Christ. All right. Um, um, and Abraham said, the Lord will provide. So today it is said it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. What is the Lord's mountain? The Lord's mountain is Moriah. Mount Moriah. Now, uh, in 2 Chronicles chapter 3, then Solomon began to build the Lord's temple in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to his father David at the site David had prepared on the threshing floor of, the, of Ornon, the Jebusite. This is the same mountain where Isaac was sacrificed. The Jews um, built a temple there in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. But also, scholars also believe this is the same mountain where Jesus was crucified. Where, I, where Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac, same mountain where Jesus Mount Moriah. The difference was this time there was no substitute because he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the substitute for you and me. God didn't stop that slaughter. He stopped Abraham from slaughtering his son. He didn't stop Jesus' slaughter. He couldn't because if he did, we wouldn't be here. On the Lord, Isaac is a type of Christ, a substitutionary atonement. Um, then God said, um, wait, sorry, I'm almost done. 
Verse 16, and he said, by myself I have sworn, this is the Lord's declaration, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your only son, I will indeed bless you and make your, your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand of the seashore. Your offspring will possess the city, of, the city gates of their enemies, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my command. Abraham went back to his young men, and they got up and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham settled in Beersheba. But he says, God said, by myself I have sworn. This is the Lord's declaration. All right, Hebrews chapter uh, 6. For when God made a promise to Abraham, all right, this is, this is referring to that, since he had no one greater to swear by, he swore by himself. There's nobody greater to swear by than God. I will indeed bless you, and I will greatly multiply you. And so, after waiting patiently, Abraham obtained the promise. He waited patiently. It took 25 years for, for Sarah to get pregnant. 25 years. Patiently waiting. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and for them a confirming oath ends every dispute. Because God wanted to show his unchangeable purpose even more clearly to the heirs of the promise, he guaranteed it with an oath because he wanted to show his unchangeable purpose even more clearly to the heirs of the promise, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that through two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. Did you hear that? It's impossible for God to lie. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope set before us. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain Jesus has entered there on our behalf as a forerunner because he has become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek, all right? We talked about Melchizedek last week. Now, what does all of that mean? I love what uh, uh, Martin Luther says about this verse. I love this. He says uh, concerning this verse, now, we, we, what I just said, God made a promise um, since, he, since he had no one greater to swear by, he swore by himself, all right? And Luther says, God meant to say, I desire your salvation so earnestly and so eagerly, I want you to believe my promise of salvation, that I will not only promise it to you, but I personally pledge you your salvation. Since I have nothing greater to give to you as a pledge of your most certain salvation, for there is no one greater than I myself, therefore, as surely as I am the true and everlasting God, if I do not keep my promise, I will no longer be who I am. <laughs> he said, if I don't keep my promise, I will no longer be who I am, which is namely the everlasting God. That is the mentioning of God's oath to Abraham. It is this earnest desire of God to save us that we must diligently, diligently consider. People are inconstant, unreliable, and fickle. But God swears that he would rather not be God than fail in his promise of salvation. Did you hear that? God says, I would rather not be God than fail in his promise of salvation. Wow. This oath, which is as holy as God himself is holy, will condemn all those who refuse to believe his gospel promise just as it increased and confirmed the faith of the believing patriarchs. God said, I will stop being God before I lie about your salvation. Whew. Ah, man, that's good. Ah, okay. Uh, all right. Uh, one last verse. Oh, let me read this. Um, in the book of Luke, 
This is his father, Zechariah. His father, Zechariah, this is John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, blessed is the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and provided redemption for his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David, talking about Jesus, just as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets in ancient times. Salvation from our enemies, remember, he saved you from your enemies. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of those who hate us. He has dealt mercifully with our ancestors and remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham. See, this goes way back, even in, way back to Abraham, to grant that we, having been rescued from the hand of our enemies, would serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness and, and in his presence all of our days. Went all the way back. See, Zechariah knew this is connected to Abraham because God promised this a long time ago. Now, Galatians, last scripture, and I'm done. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, because it is written, everyone who does not do everything written in the book of the law is cursed, all right? Now, it is clear that no one is justified before God by the law, because the righteous will live by faith. You ain't justified by keeping the law, by doing the right thing, all right? Verse 12, but the law is not based on faith. Instead, the one who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us because it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. The purpose was that the blessing of Abraham will come to the Gentiles by Christ Jesus. That's us, all right? So that we could receive the promised spirit through faith. Brothers and sisters, I'm using a human illustration all right? No one sets aside or makes additions to a validated human will. Now, the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed, singular. He does not say, and to seeds, plural, as though referring to many, but referring to one and to your seed, who is who? Christ. So when he said, um, your seed, singular, he wasn't talking about many. He was talking about Jesus, who is the offspring that the Old Testament talked about. Through your offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Through, through you. He was talking about Jesus Christ. He said, I'm using a human illustration. No one sets aside or makes addition to a validated human will. Now, the promise was spoken to Abraham and to his seed, singular. You got to get that. He does not say, and to seeds, as though to many, but referring to one and to your seed, who is Christ. The seed of Abraham is Jesus himself. So all of this goes back to what God promised Abraham. And Isaac is, like I said, he, he was a type of Christ. All of that stuff, uh, the symbolic of Christ, the, the ram, Isaac, the sacrifice, everything pointed to Jesus. It all pointed to him. So on that Mount Moriah, when Jesus was hung, like I said, there was no substitute. There was no ram in the bush for Jesus. Because that ram in the Old Testament represented this lamb who would come to sacrifice his life for those who would believe him. And as we, we prepare to take communion, we are going to celebrate what this lamb did, his broken body and his shed blood on Mount Moriah, the same mountain where Abraham was willing to sacrifice his only unique begotten son because God told him to. And God said, who will go for me? 
And Jesus said, Lord, prepare me a body. I'll go and die for these sinners, Lord. Father, prepare me a body. I'll become the sacrificial lamb who takes away the sin of the world. So as we prepare, we're gonna sing a song and then we're gonna come back and take communion. Thanks for taking a minute to watch this video. My name is Pastor Chris Moran. I'm one of the pastors at Eternal City Church in Wilkinsburg, Pennsylvania. Eternal City is a church that values biblical authority. We teach the Bible verse by verse, week by week, and we are seeking to eventually preach the whole way through the Bible. We believe that Jesus is God as he claimed to be, and his person and work are the center of the entire Bible. We believe that the Great Commission is still relevant today for Christians, that Christians are to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, teaching disciples to obey all that Jesus commanded. Eternal City is a church that values diversity in that we are a church of all kinds of people, cultures, classes, colors, and capacity. We are a church that values community and we seek to see our members hold one another accountable and build each other up in discipleship. We are a church that has a plurality of leadership for pastors and deacons who are servants who serve under the pastors. If this sounds like an interesting church to you, we would love for you to visit our website to find out more about us, eternalcity.org, or come visit us on Sunday evenings at 5 p.m., 1300 Swissville Avenue, Wilkinsburg, PA, 15221. Hope to see you soon.